Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. And yes, I still have that funny sound to my voice with a cold. So you, I'm asking you to just bear with me one more week, and, um, and then you won't have to hear that for a long time. I hope never again. Amen. We have been talking about supernatural impossibilities, and this is part two because we did not finish last week. We are in Luke chapter one, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and we're doing the whole chapter of Luke, verses one through 80. We only got through verse 37 last week. And in talking about supernatural impossibilities, we were talking about Elizabeth, well advanced in her years, getting pregnant with uh, John, which would become John the Baptist, and then Mary conceiving by virtue of the Holy Spirit, which again was a supernatural impossibility. You see, a supernatural impossibility is when something in the natural that cannot possibly happen. But because of God, who is supernatural, he makes it happen. And then it becomes a supernatural impossibility. But I like, I like how the angel Gabriel concludes his, his little talk with Mary with verse 37, when he says, for with God, he tells her, with God, nothing will be impossible. And as I said last week, you can flip that around and you could write, for without God, nothing will be possible. For without God, nothing will be possible. But with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said to the angel, verse 38, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, Mary says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So now, what he's done, you see, what the angel did is he, he inserted faith, okay? How did he do that? He spoke the word of God. He spoke the truth of the word of God to her. And that seed of truth ignited her faith. And we see that because in the beginning, the Bible says she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting it was when he first greeted her. And she's, you know, questioning him. She says, you know, how can this be since I do not know a man? Then he explains about the Holy Spirit coming to overshadow her. And now we know that she got it because she says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, what the angel spoke 
he spoke the truth of the word of God. He spoke that to her. That seed entered her, that seed of truth. She received it by faith, and her faith grew to the point that she could say, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, you said it, Angel Gabriel. I'm receiving that word that you said to me, and I'm believing that word. And it's going to come to pass. She's not only believing, she's saying it's going to come to pass because she says, let it be to me according to your word. So it's going to come to pass. She now firmly understands, receives that truth, believes that truth, and now is going to walk into that truth. She has apprehended it for herself. May I just interject here that when we face certain situations in our life, and, you know, there could be a variety of situations that we face, but we, what we need to do is not fall apart at the seams, not come unglued, not cry our heart out, merely go to the Word of God, find the promise that fits your situation. Because when you do, that is like the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. It's the same thing. It's God's word speaking to you a truth, a seed that will get planted in your spirit, cause you to just rise up with incredible faith to believe that the things that seem impossible are suddenly going to be possible. So that's why it's important, and I say this so many times, to believe God's word. It is the truth. It's not merely a fact. It's the truth. Big difference between the truth and the facts. The facts may say you have cancer. You may have cancer of the throat. The truth is Jesus shed his blood for you to be healed, whole, and well. And he shed his blood for you not to pass this life because of cancer. So the fact is, yes, the doctor's report says this. But what does the truth of the Bible say? It says, by his stripes we've been healed. So it's the same principle here. When Mary says, let it be to me according to your word, it's the same principle. And that's a principle that we need to adopt into our life to begin to walk in supernatural impossibilities. We adopt this this whole way of living where we, we receive the word of God, what the Bible says, we receive it, we believe it, we apprehend it for ourselves, and then we know we can say with the same kind of certainty as Mary did. She said, let it be to me according to your word. And you can say the same thing. Let it be to me according to your word, Lord. So whatever you're facing, 
go to the Word of God, find the promise, stand on the promise, believe the promise, receive the promise, apprehend the promise for yourself, and believe that nothing will be impossible for those who believe. Okay. 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Now, why do you think it says that she went with haste? I think she was just so excited to, um, you know, share her supernatural experience with another woman who's had a supernatural experience. I mean, why wouldn't you be excited if you had a supernatural experience to go share it when you think, wow, somebody else has had this same kind of thing happen? I want to go share, share it with them. So she went with haste to Elizabeth's home and says, verse 40, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now listen what happened. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to stop there. Right now, that's a supernatural, whole big supernatural deal here. I talked to you several weeks ago about the voice. The voice of the one. Jesus' voice. In this case, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And... As Mary greets her relative, see, her voice through the voice of the Holy Spirit, this baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy, and suddenly Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Mary didn't come. It didn't say Mary came and laid hands on Elizabeth that she would receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. Nor does it say that Mary came and spoke to her about receiving the Holy Spirit. It says that when she heard the greeting of Mary, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she goes on, and Elizabeth says in verse 42, she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. How did Elizabeth know that the baby that Mary was carrying would be the Son of God? How did she know that? How how did she know that it was going to be her Lord that was in the womb of her relative Mary? How would she know that? She could only know that by the Holy Spirit. Because she lived far away. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have any kind of telecommunication, okay? 2,000 years ago, they'd have to get on the donkey and ride a fur piece to get to the neighbor's house to tell him something. So again, a supernatural word of knowledge given to Elizabeth about Mary. She knows nothing about Mary. Nothing. 
Mary's just said hello. She just greeted her. She didn't say, hey, I'm pregnant. Hey, I've just had a meeting with Gabriel. But Elizabeth knows. Why has it been granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Awesome. I just love this stuff. She says, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Something in the sound of Mary's voice, something in the sound of her greeting, made the baby in Elizabeth's womb leap for joy. That is totally supernatural. That is God. That is cool. I like it. Then she says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. This is a woman who has has definitely um, become very confident in who who is inside of her and what's about to come forward. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And uh, verse 56, And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her house. So um, now it's it's time. It's nine months. Now Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. See, the reproach was broken off, so they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, because that's really what, that's how they did it. He would have been called Zacharias. But his mother answered, and she said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father. Remember, he's mute, can't speak. What would he have him called? And he asked for a a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. 
Now remember that the angel Gabriel prophesied that over him. And not only did he prophesy, but he was speaking as the Lord's servant. So we know that it's going to come to pass. We know it's going to come be, come to be fulfilled. Then verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him with fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, speaking to his newborn son, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the dayspring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So again, a supernatural experience Zacharias' tongue is loosed. He is no longer mute. Suddenly he can speak. And then he goes on to prophesy. Now he's prophesying about his son, but he's also prophesying about Jesus. So he prophesies about his son, saying that his son's going to be a prophet of the highest and that he's going to go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And we know that John... Um, said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And John was the one baptizing, right? He was baptizing people in the River Jordan, talking to them about salvation, getting them baptized in the River Jordan for the remission of their sins. And then Zacharias slips in this prophetic word about Jesus. He says, through the tender mercy of our God, verse 78, with which the day spring, okay? So now he's referencing Jesus as the day spring, literally means dawn, the Messiah. Like D-A-W-N, which, with which the dawn, the Messiah from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Jesus says of himself that he came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And Zacharias concludes his prophetic word 
by saying to guide our feet into the way of peace. Again, prophesying about Jesus, that he would be the one who would guide us into the way of peace. We know that Isaiah prophesied that he was wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. That was prophesied about Jesus, that he would be the prince of peace. Isaiah also prophesied about that he would be the punishment for our peace. The chastisement for our peace was upon him in Isaiah 53. So this Jesus is our peace, and Zechariah, Zacharias is prophesying the same thing. This is the one who's going to bring light to all the darkness. Anybody that's sitting in the shadow of death will no longer sit in the shadow of death. Those who are in darkness will be brought into the light. And we conclude with verse 80 saying that the child grew. That is referencing John the Baptist. He's growing. He's getting strong in the things of the spirit. And he was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. In other words, the next time we're going to hear about this, John, is he's going to be out there baptizing people, and then he's going to baptize Jesus in the River Jordan. That's going to be the manifestation uh, to Israel, his manifestation to Israel. So this whole chapter, Luke chapter 1, this whole thing is absolutely about the supernatural. Everything that's happening in this chapter is supernatural. It's above and beyond the natural. It's not anything that man could do by himself. And it was everything that God could do. And everything that was impossible, like Elizabeth getting pregnant and a well-advanced age, her husband being well-advanced as well, that was supernatural. Mary being uh, conceiving by the Holy Spirit to bring forth the Son of God, supernatural. It's supernatural that the angel Gabriel appeared to both of them and spoke to them. Supernatural that Zacharias is made a mute, and then suddenly, once the baby's born, once John is born, he his tongue is loosed, he's able to prophesy. Elizabeth supernaturally knows the minute she hears Mary come to her home, she knows that this woman uh, is pregnant with the Lord, her Lord, she says. So, you know, living the supernatural is a pretty exciting life. And as I said last week, one of the best ways that we can walk in the supernatural is to believe God's word. Because God's word is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit. It goes as deep into the joints as the bone marrow. The word of God, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. The Bible's not just a book of stories. It is living alive, and it does supernatural things. It will separate your soul from your spirit. That's supernatural. 
How can reading a book do that? Well, reading any other book but the Bible cannot do that. But the Bible is a supernaturally written book written by the Holy Spirit. And it is alive. And it's full of truth. So with God, nothing will be impossible. And what I, I want to encourage you, I want you to make a list. Let's just say, let's take five, we'll make it easy. Let's take five things in your life that seem absolutely impossible that you need an answer to. And, you know, if you want to make your list longer, have at it. If you want to make your list 10 things. But you could start small. Take five things that seem absolutely impossible. Write them down on a piece of paper, okay? Then I'd like you to get in your Bible and find a promise to that impossible situation. For instance, let's say you have a spouse who's not saved. And you say, if you lived with this man, you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no way he's ever going to be saved. He is so far from God. But you can find all the scriptures that will help you to stand on the promises of God and believe for the impossible. Because it's God's will that none perish. That's a scripture. None perish. It's his will that not one person perishes without eternal life with Jesus. That's the will of God, okay? So make your list. Write, write your things down. Get the scriptures that support that and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit. And underneath all of those, I want you to write out this scripture, Luke one thirty seven. I want you to write out, with God, Nothing will be impossible. And if you really believe that and you really, you know, allow that seed of the word. See, this word, this scripture is the seed of God. If you allow the seed of God to get planted into your heart, you will have faith to believe for the impossible. You'll have faith to believe all that you've written on your list. Now, this is a good time to do this. Because we are roughly four weeks away from Christmas. So there's probably some really cool things that you would like to see happen that would really make your Christmas so special. And wouldn't you just like to see these supernatural impossibilities come to possibility? Hey, all these folks in Luke chapter 1 saw the impossible become possible. I believe it's not just for them. It's not just for Zacharias and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. It's for us. It's to encourage us to believe, to, to really, truly just grab a hold of that and believe that with God, nothing will be impossible to us. That's exciting to me. So I want you to write those things down. I want you to get serious. Write them down. Five impossibilities. Find scriptures that will support it being possible that, that you can stand on and believe for. And then watch God work. Amen? Lord, I thank you for those listening today. And I thank you for helping them to see this truth of supernatural impossibilities with you 
with you alone, God, because there's nothing impossible with you. Father, I ask you to help each one to write them down. Find the scriptures, stand them on them, and believe for them. Believe for the impossible. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I think this has been fun. I certainly have had fun just going over this whole chapter again. And I hope that it encouraged you. And I hope that you will do what I asked you to do. Because if you do, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff. You're going to see some impossible things become possible in your life. And that will increase your faith. Well, it's always sad for me to leave you. I look forward to talking to you again. So I'm just going to say www.pureheart.today. You can go to the website, hear the podcast again if you need to. And uh, with that, I will sign off. Shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.